You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily local sports podcast network. I'm Chris Manning, your host and the site manager at BeerTheSword.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers site. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the new Himalaya Podcast app, a great partner with the Lockdown Podcast Network, Megaphone, or wherever else you happen to listen to podcasts. A five-star review is the best way to support the show, and you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Lockdown Cavs, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. On today's show for Sunday, March 24th, I'm going to give you a quick preview of Cavs Bucks, which tips off at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Milwaukee. For the Cavs, John Henson and Matthew DeLavadova are out. J.R. Smith obviously not with the team. No one else, according to the latest injury report, is considered out or up in the air in terms of their status. For the Bucks, Pau Gasol, Nikola Mirotic, Dante Givincenzo, and Malcolm Brogdon are all out. Giannis Antetokounmpo, who missed the Cavs' win over the Bucks from earlier this week on Wednesday, is expected to play for Milwaukee. That matters. Uh, the, the guy I would say is the MVP favorite playing will matter. In a betting context, the Cavs are a 15-point underdog according to Oddshark and according to 538's model. The Bucks have a 95% chance of winning and are 18-point favorites over the Cavs. So pretty significant uh, expectation the Bucks will win this game. Not impossible that the Cavs will win, but certainly not the likeliest thing that will happen. So three things to look for in this game. Number one, first, it's going to be how Colin Sexton plays. Colin Sexton is in the middle of his best scoring streak ever. He is is currently, I think, playing the best basketball he's ever played as a professional. Even if some of the shots he is making are really high difficulty and sort of like, you know, D'Angelo Russell might just be making really tough shots and that's part of the reason why he's better. That might be a big part of the reason why Colin Sexton is better. Against the Bucks, uh, Sexton is going to see a good defense, but a team he played well against earlier this week. In that game, Sexton was 10 of 18 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3, had 3 assists versus 4 turnovers. And I think the way the Bucks defended him will probably say pretty consistent here. The Bucks defended him as they do with every team, a lot of switching. This, this means he's going to have some time being guarded by bigs, whether that's you know Brooke Lopez, um, whether that's Irson Eliasova, could be a variety of guys. But it's going to be a lot of Eric Bledsoe up in his grill defending him one-on-one. According to um, NBA.com's matchup stats from that last game, Sexton was guarded by Bledsoe 41.3% of the time. That's the biggest margin of anybody. And then you had Tim Frazier at 21.4%. Weirdly, I would say Sexton's turnovers, which again, he had four, did not come when he was guarded by Bledsoe. Two were against Brooke Lopez, one by Frazier, and then one when Irson Eliasova was guarding him. Sexton, according to those stats, actually shot 62.5% when he was defended by Bledsoe. That's 2-2 two two on threes, 3-6 three on two-point attempts. Let's see if he can play that well against Bledsoe again, 
and let's see how also he does against the switches. Colin has an advantage, I think, against a lot of bigs when they when he gets switched on, where he can blow by a lot of these guys because they're not the quickest. So if Ilyasova comes out, if, if Brook Lopez comes out, and they get a little too close, and the Bucks defense is a little out of order, Sexton has the speed to blow by these guys. He has the ability to really put uh, his foot on the pedal to get into the lane and make something happen. The problem is, and this led to a charge in the last game against Milwaukee and a, a, a typical problem for him, is that sometimes Sexton can get too deep. He can go a little too fast out of control. So that's something to watch in this one. But he's kind of the engine of everything the Cavs are doing right now. He's, you know, every game kind of taking a ton of shots. Him and Clarkson really leading the way in terms of initiating their own offense. Let's see how he looks against Milwaukee. Let's see how Giannis being on the floor and Giannis being able to cover so much ground as a weak side defender, you know, impacts his ability to get into the lane, impacts switching. Um, you know, we obviously did not see Colin go against Giannis this week on the switches because Giannis didn't play. So let's see how that might impact his performance as well. Um, and again, look at Giannis can cover so much ground as a help defender, get into lane and block shots or recover. That could really impact what kind of game Sexton has. So I will be really, really looking at that more than anything else. And speaking of Giannis, the second thing is, how do the Cavs approach him? He's really, really good. Um, Giannis, I think, should be the MVP. He's at the very least the most dominant two-way player in the league this year. So he presents big questions for the Cavs. So Larry Drew, if he sticks with the same starting five he's been using, that's Colin Sexton, Brandon Knight, Jetty Osman, Kevin Love, and Ante Zizic, there's not really a great option for the Cavs to have defend Giannis man-on-man. So in that starting lineup scenario, Jetty's probably going to have to do that. He is significantly smaller in every capacity um, than Giannis. So that's not going to go all that well. I think Jetty would be having some problems in that kind of scenario for him. It also could really result in some awkward and bad cross-matching where the Cavs would have to have, let's say, Sexton guarding Bledsoe, Knight guards Snell, Osmond gets Giannis, Love has to guard Chris Middleton, I guess, and then Zizic gets Lopez, or, you know, like, does Love have to defend Giannis? That doesn't seem like a good idea either. I think that would be a disastrous strategy for the Cavs because they're already bad defensively, so why make it even harder on yourself? So, to me, this leaves sort of two broad options. Number one is that is A, that they could stick with the same starting lineup and they could just play zone where, um, you know, they, they try to double. They try to double Giannis a decent amount. They try to rotate. They try to, you know, make other guys shoot with that zone defense and try to limit his driving by putting two guys there to cut off his drives and or, or whatever scenario he gets himself into. Use two guys and use that zone defense to kind of not have to have one guy take on that whole responsibility or option b is to put david nawab in the starting lineup and have him just guard Giannis. that would entail you know i would it's obviously anthony Zizic goes to the bench there i think that's that's clearly the move my pick would be to start david nawaba and go sexton on bledsoe Knight on Snell, Osman on Middleton, Love on Lopez, Nawaba on Giannis. Um, I would also expect some zone, and the Cavs are likely going to need to trap Giannis uh, on some occasions. I think it's just sort of inevitable. I think they're going to have to be creative. I think they're going to have to throw different looks um, towards Giannis. He's, again, too good for them really to not get away with doing that. And it's just a concern for me in terms of what Giannis makes this team sort of have to do. It's not... You know, there's not really like any good options necessarily. It, it's just one of those things where you can you just kind of have to hope that you can do well enough. 
Uh, but he changes things. He he really, really does. I, I just don't think that if the Cavs stick with that same starting lineup, which has been good, which has put up you know good offensive numbers in the last month and, and says it has been fine and yada, yada, I don't think it that will work. So I think Nawaba starting is the obvious answer. If Larry Drew wants to keep playing two bigs, the other option, I guess, would be to start Larry Nance Jr. And if in, in this scenario, if it's just Zizic goes to the bench and Larry Nance Jr. comes in, the other stays the same, you could do something where um, Kevin Love you know, guards Brook Lopez, which he would do if he's starting with Nawaba. Osman would get Middleton, which I think is sort of the best-case scenario there. Knight and Sexton take um, Bledsoe and Snell, whichever way the Cavs want to do it. And then Nance would guard Giannis. I don't love that. I don't, you know, I don't know how Nance does there, but that's the other option. You could theoretically do the same thing uh, with Tristan as well. So that's something to just maybe consider is that they still go two bigs, but have one of the bigger guys guard Giannis because he's not going to shoot threes a ton, or at least in theory he's not, and he's got the size of a of a big as much as he has the size of, of a forward. So that's something to I think I would say watch there as well. So maybe that's the unorthodox option. I would expect Nawaba and Nance to both do this and, and kind of defend some of these uh, and defend Giannis and take on some of that responsibility, but we'll see how that much holds true. Lastly, um, in terms of the bigger things, let's see how the Cavs create and how do they specifically create for each other. There has been some trend, I think, in how the Cavs have played and when they've had success that when they're playing better, they're moving the ball, that and they have an attack that isn't stagnant and isn't you know just a lot of dribbling or a late pick and roll or or four shot at them. That's sort of like saying that water is good for you in terms of it being a good basketball strategy, but it's true. And specifically, I want to see how it looks via how the players play, because I would argue that the Cavs' success with this kind of stuff is more about their personnel and how they've sort of meshed more so than it is, you know, a scheme that Larry Nance Jr. has put in. So I think there are several players to watch here, and I'll run through some of their assist percentages, meaning the number of of the team's field goals they've assisted on in their last five games. So Colin Sexton's number one, his over the last five games is 5%. 16.7, 4.5, 18.2, and 13. Kevin Love, and then is at 4.50, 18.2, 7.1, 10%. Nance Jr. is next at 6.2, 26.3, 17.6, 21.1, and 25. Then you have Jetty at 9.4, 4.5, 20.7, 18.2, 18.2. So what these numbers I think tell you is that Nance Jr. when he's playing and he's been healthy. Is coming off the bench. He is doing a lot of assist work. He's doing a lot of the creating on the second unit. This is especially true because Matthew Dallavadova remains out with that concussion. So when it's Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., and X three other players, Nance Jr. is the one really kind of helping the offense flow and move. I think it's something that uh, makes him valuable. It makes him different than Tristan Thompson. It's something that he's pretty good at, actually. I think he's a pretty good passer for, for a big especially. So that's something to watch, especially if if it's you know towards that 17, 17.6% and up and not the lower number it was at against the Clippers on Friday. Love's kind of a curious case because I would expect him to get more assists, but he just isn't right now. Um, I, I think it's worth kind of diving in to see how they've been using him. I think they're using him more as a spacer than I necessarily would have expected. Jetty um, is sort of kind of going to be up and down a little bit. He certainly is a capable passer, but he's lately kind of not been he's been more kind of shooting off ball 
and but he, he can get those assists. Yeah, he, he got robbed of assists the other night, actually, when he threw a, a beautiful pass to Love, and, and Love just missed a, an open shot. Sexton's the, the curious one because he's had some games where he's still lower than you would like for your point guard, but better than he is for the season and when he's at 16.7 and 18.2 when he's at five percent when he's at 4.5 percent those are basically he's not really creating for others i think there are reads you will see in the game where he misses looks for other guys and and that certainly has its its issues and that kind of can gum up the offense a little bit but let's see how these guys look against the Bucks. I think, you know, the, these numbers, the Cavs are the best when these guys sort of all are even. There was a game recently where Osman um, and Love and and Sexton were all at 18.2%, and they um, basically were all sort of sharing the load. I think that's the optimal version, something where they're all similar, if not exactly the same. That's sort of what you're looking for. Nance included in that. Delhi could be included in that as well. So that's just something to think about. Um, but let's see how that looks against Milwaukee, who, again, is a good defense. And um, if, if Sexton can be a little bit better, that will certainly help as well. And for the month, the Cavs also do have that better offensive rating. They're at 106.7 for the year, 110.8 in March. I do think ball movement and them being better at moving the ball is a big reason for that. Um, two, some, three, three small things I would say to look at in this game after the big three. Do Nick Stauskas and Marquise Chris play? We've seen both play, but in different spots. Um, we just saw Nick Stauskas get the nod in the second half of the Clippers game after Chris played in the first half. What happens here, especially if some of the lineups get adjusted, that's something to think about. Um, Secondly, do the Cavs get to the line? The Clippers game was the first game in a while where we really didn't see the Cavs do a good job of getting to the line or have uh, the opportunity to get to the line there. And for whatever reason that happened, it it certainly limited their offensive output. when it was the Bucks game, that was even a little bit lower than some of the other games. So that's something to to keep in mind there as well. But if they can get to the line and get some easy offense and 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 get some some manufactured points by getting to the free throw line and having Kevin Love and Sexton and these guys get free throws, that's really going to help. And look, let's see also how Jetty Osmond does against one um, against one Chris Middleton. So in the last game, Middleton guarded Jetty on 35 possessions. That's 58.3% of those instances. Jetty did not have a good game this last time around. He had um, a total of eight points in this one. It was not great for him. Jetty, when Middleton was guarding him, shot 25% from the field. He was one of four. That's not a ton. Um, Did not miss both of his three-point attempts. The Cavs um, only scored... 33 points in in those possessions. So Middleton really did a good job. Jetty also struggled to kind of contain Middleton on the other end. So can he just have a better game against an also accountable player um, and a guy that is, I think, very, very good and will certainly cause, cause Jetty some problems. But can he look a little bit better in this one? Uh, as far as the draft watch and you're looking at the draft standings, the Cavs enter Sunday a game and a half up on the Bolts for the number three spot. Two back of the Suns for the number two spot, although that this is being recorded before Phoenix finishes its game on Saturday night against the Kings. On Sunday, only the Knicks are active in the tank watch, and they are way, way worse than the Cavs. So that's just, the Cavs are basically kind of, I think at this point, maybe catching Phoenix and hoping to stay ahead of Chicago. That's that's really the race to watch in terms of the tank. 
So that's going to be it for today's show. Um, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Cavs on the new Himalaya podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. In an ever, in an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. So download the download Himalaya app store and subscribe to Locked On Caps. If you want to support the show, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts is the best way to support the show. You can submit your mailbag questions to Locked on Cavs on Twitter or to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. Again, you can find Locked on Cavs on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, Megaphone, or wherever you listen to shows. And when you get in your car, please tell your smart device to play Locked on Cavs. After the sort, check out David Zavok's game preview of Sunday's Cavs-Bucks game, and be sure to check out our two-for-one coverage of the game, which will be written by the great Justin Rowan. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Lockdown Cavaliers for Sunday, March 24th. I'm Chris Manning. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. Enjoy today's game, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.